Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Business Unveiled today. I love this subject. I love what we're going to talk about because I don't feel like it's talked about enough. We are moving at such a fast pace, especially in the creative world and in the technology world. What the heck has customer service how, what is it doing? Like, I don't know if you all are experiencing this, but you know, we were all raised probably differently, different households, things like that. But like my parents taught me manners and they taught me like how to be nice and how to treat people with respect. You never know who you're talking to. And I feel like things have gotten a little bit out of hand with customer service over the years and people their expectations with TV and all these YouTube videos. And it's just a bunch of garbage, in my opinion, that is put into people's heads that it's appropriate to act away. And then us as the business owners, like how in the heck do we respond to that? So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking all about customer service and the true key to longevity, like with your business. And so I'm super excited to talk to Heather Rufe. I love it's like it's like a fancy last name Rufe. Yeah. She is the director of sales and managing partner of Atlas Event Rentals. And so she just like probably a lot of us works in the emotional money spending business and on the customer service side I think is some of the toughest. So Heather I'm super excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited as well. Yay. I cannot wait to jump in and just ask you like a bajillion customer service uh, questions because it's just like people don't talk about it enough. We try to have like a wrap meeting after every single event or whatever we're doing so that we can take in the feedback without getting defensive. And so I've learned a lot over the years, but I'm, I, I'm so interested to know like what your experiences have been. But before we jump in, take us back and let us know, like, where did you grow up? What did you, how, how was your upbringing and like, how are you so passionate about like customer service? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Business Unveiled, expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the creative industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the creative industry. Today's podcast is brought to you by Vlog Easy. That is V as in victory. Vlog Easy is an app in the iTunes store for iPhones that help you make content videos as well as vlogging on the go to share with your audience. It has absolutely transformed the way that I do video and communicate with my audience. If you are looking for an app that allows you 
you to edit on the go, or if you simply don't know how to edit videos, this app allows you to do just that. You can record yourself in a quiet room. You don't have to remember what to say. You can simply look at your notes, and each time you're quiet and you pause, the Vlog Easy app takes all of those quiet moments out and edits everything together. It's like magic, and it saves so much time. Vlog Easy allows you to record in vertical or horizontal formatting. You can import existing videos that live on your phone into the app and so much more. Vlog Easy Pro gives you the unlimited cloud backup as well as removing the watermark. Give it a try for free today. The link is bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash Vlog Easy. And all caps. Vlog easy is case sensitive. So be sure that you've got that caps lock on and you're putting in vlog easy in all uppercase. V is in Victor, L-O-G-E-A-S-Y. Give it a try. Like who wants to talk about customer service? Heather does. I know <laughs> I do. And I could, there? I, I know, and I could talk about it all day, so I'm so excited to have this opportunity. Um, you know, where did I grow up? I grew up in Long Island, New York. I, you know, nothing, nothing stares out at me of why I'm so passionate about service and how I got to where I, you know, where I've gotten. I mean, I love that I grew up in New York in a hustle bustle state. We we all move fast. We all, it's kind of like tough life up there, right? It's usually you walk into an elevator and no one says hello to you. Totally different from where I am now in Florida. So I always say probably my New York side definitely got me to the business core and value of where I am today. So I will always be grateful for that. Um, We always grew up in respectful household, was taught about customer service, how important that is when you work hard for your money, you want to make sure that, you know, you feel good about what you're spending, right? I mean, there's so many choices out there and we really want to make sure that when we are choosing a vendor, when we're choosing who we pay to work on our home, when we choose everything from a babysitter, I mean, you name it growing up, you want to make sure that whoever you pay, regardless of the amount is doing their job. I remember when I got my first babysitting job at a pretty young age, I took it very seriously. And I think that's one of those things that your parents instill in you. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you got paid, but you had a job, your responsibility watching kids. It doesn't matter how much they're giving you, but you know that you have to take that responsibility so serious. And they have to be happy with what you do, whether it means engaging with the kids, playing with them. They're the ones who were my boss. They have to tell their parents, oh my God, I loved having Heather here. I loved having her come over and play, call her again. So I've always taken my jobs from a young age extremely serious. And I still wonder, people ask all the time, do you think it's something you were taught or something in your blood? And I really think it's a combination of both and really goes down to your core values of where kind of your career path takes you. But over the years, you know, once I went to college and once I decided what I wanted to do, I just started seeing in my personal everyday life how important customer service was, especially as we get into this, like you said, this tech world and 
you know, you have so many options out there of buying things. Um, customer service in my book is everything and it'll continue being everything. The more that we are all attached to technology and lose that personal interaction and personal touch. So customer service for me is huge, huge, huge. And I, I love talking about it. So again, I'm so excited to be here and have this opportunity. Yay. So what if, what, what was your like first job? Like take us down your career path before you ended to like, not ended, but you know, where, where you started today, like being with Atlas event rental. Yep. What got so, you there for your journey? Yeah. So I always love planning parties. Like, you know, there's always that one friend, that one relative that goes above and beyond and curls the ribbon on all your favors and the balloons to make sure they're pretty. Well, that totally. was me. I always made sure that there was no ribbons hanging and the ribbons matched the, the centerpieces. <laughs> um, so I was that girl in the family. So as I grew up, you know, it becomes a hobby. You never really grow up, and especially at that time to say there wasn't a lot of hospitality programs when I went to school. It wasn't really being an event planner wasn't something that I was exposed to. So when I went to college, I mean, I just wanted to get out of there, right? Like everyone else, what's going to get me a four-year degree? I started with teaching, then accounting. So I really went to school for nothing that I'm doing now. So I gained my life experiences, as I call it, um, being on my own and away from home. But I did not go to school for anything related to the event industry. When I graduated from college, someone got me a paid internship with the United Way down here. And I did fundraising and events. And I loved it. So it was my first real paid job where someone was paying me to, you know, curl that ribbon and do what I always loved doing. I had to go around to different schools and educate them about why they should give us money. So I'm like, wow, this is going really well. We had great campaigns. I was becoming really good at, you know, delivering messages, love setting up the events. So I did that for a little bit. Then I went to the National uh, Multiple Sclerosis Society. I planned their walkathons. Um, I planned a few of those. Again, love the planning aspect. Um, after doing that for two seasons, I decided I no longer wanted to stay a nonprofit. It just wasn't the right fit for me. So I left there, did some small jobs on the side that were event related that I hoped to get me into something bigger. I didn't know what that meant. And sure enough, I actually had to come to my current partners now and sell them an ad to be in a vendor publication. And they said, wow, this girl's really good at selling. We're That's hiring. Awesome. And um, 15 years later, here I am. That's amazing. Like what a good journey. But one of the things that probably, I, I would just, I don't want to assume, but being in around nonprofits and having to pull off these like amazing experiences for people in nonprofit, it's really hard sometimes. Nonprofit so, is really hard. Yeah, it is. It is really like we don't do a lot of fundraisers unless there is someone um, like we do a lot with narcolepsy, but there's one pharma company that does, there's like one drug for that right now. And they donate quite a bit to put on an annual event. And, but so when people ask me, do you do fundraisers? I'm like, if you have mm -hmm. money, but I don't ask yep. for people's money. I spend people's money in, in the smartest way possible, but it's a completely different avenue 
and a completely different passion. And also like, I would imagine just from, from a customer service perspective, some people are really me. I don't know. That's just, that's been my experience with some of the Well, you know, it's me. so funny because with nonprofit, you would always think the opposite, right? Like, oh my God, everyone's so nice. Everyone's here for the right? same reason. The purpose. Well, and in nonprofit, it's really hard because I have nothing to give you when you give me my money. So right? I'm really convincing you. I'm like selling you on just, you're going to feel good for doing this. And that's really tough to do. At least now when you pay me, my truck shows up with a chair or a linen and something pretty, but nonprofit, I have nothing to give to you. I'm just making you feel good about where your money is going. And it's tough because it's a catch 22. It's, it's, you know, we understand the spending money to make money. They have a bottom line. There's so many charities worthy of you wanting to donate and give back. So it's, um, you know, nonprofit, it, it's tough. And my hats go off to the people that work day in and day out for the amazing charities and nonprofits out there. Because, you know, without them, you know, these charities wouldn't go on and be able to produce right. all the amazing programs and events. So, right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're amazing, but getting there is hard sometimes, very hard. Um, so like how over the years, how has customer service and just the expectations, I feel like you and I know like how it's changed, but like really how has it changed over the years and how are business owners and entrepreneurs, like how are they pivoting with these changes? So I believe it has changed. Like I said, technology has totally changed the game years and years and years ago before we all lived on Pinterest and Instagram and, you know, worked on price, price quotes at midnight. Um, you never, you never have to speak to anyone right now. Right. So I sometimes have a client that I can't build that personal relationship to. So years ago, I would be able to pick up a phone or they'd be able to pick up a phone and I'd be able to write then and there really dig deep with you. What is your passion? What are you interested in? maybe finding a common denominator. We become friends first before we get to the sales portion. We don't have time for that nowadays. People are going online. They're using online chats. They're using online price quotes. I could have a bride in California that I never speak to, and I'm helping her with a $5,000 rental order. So that personal touch has left most of us. And it's what I find, it's a really tough challenge for companies to maintain that customer service when you don't have that interaction with the customer. Like, what does that mean? How do you service a client that you never meet, that you never speak to? Right. And these, these, the bosses of the company and the managers and the supervisors, I think one of the biggest challenges they have is the change, right? There's different age gaps in a company. There might be um, a director of sales who's in there their 30s or 40s, there might be an owner of their company who's in their 70s. And that age gap of understanding and coming to terms with how to deal with the technology, that could be a huge, huge challenge. So what we've done is we've really gone above and beyond of how to train your staff to service the client on every level, whether you've spoken to them, texted with them, just delivered um, for the first time, and that's the first time they're seeing your company. So everyone has to really get in touch with reality that is not the same. That's that's number one, is things are not the same. So it's like kind of the cliche saying of 
first step is realizing that there's an issue. Well, there's an issue and things are changing. You have a lot of competitors out there. There's a lot of people doing what you're doing and you have to take a step back to say, what are we gonna do from a customer service aspect that no one else is doing? Because at the end of the day, a chair is a chair is a chair, a plate's a plate, a plate, right? So how am I gonna differentiate myself? Exactly. So when someone's just calling for a plate, that I do stand out. That's, well, and again, like, I don't know how the market is there. The market here in Nashville, there used to be one rental company. <laughs> one. Oh, I wish. And then, you know, they started to become more like specialty rentals. So it's like, this place has furniture, this has place, this place has the cool chairs. Um, I still find Nashville, I mean, as much as it's growing, they've done a really good job of diversifying who carries what. So yeah, a pl- everybody needs China flat or glassware, but depending on if you really care what it looks like. Um, but I will say like in very busy times, um, which we just keep getting busier and busier and the turnover is higher because people, I don't know. I just, there, it's like, there's no training and then they just expect you, if you know sales, to be thrown in, do a quote, mm-hmm. and just know everything. And then they're treated badly by the by clients because they're pissed off. And it's really hard. Like, it's hard to find, like, good customer service. So for people out there that have, well, it, for me, it's like you have brand new people that have started a business or you have people that have been around for 30 years, but they have a whole new different generation that they're having mm-hmm. to handle, deal with, as some people would say, what are your thoughts on like, how can people, business owners in particular and entrepreneurs, what do you tell them? Like when they come to you super frustrated and I mean, training is key, but if you're like, Oh, it's a month wait, like, what is something that you can tell them that they can implement pretty quickly to elevate their customer service? So you have to have your basic core values and your basic customer service things that no matter what, I always say someone can start within 10 minutes of working here at Atlas and they know what to do and say. So no one would ever know you're new. As long as from a company, you set those expectations first, you're going to set those expectations up when you interview them, when you hire them, before they're even on the floor or on the phone, you need to set up people to succeed. And the reality is, is that we don't have time to train. Sometimes in the, it's, we're in the middle of season, right? We're all busy. The phones are ringing. Who really has time? No one has time. But what you need to do as a business owner is you need to find a system then that doesn't involve people. Maybe you use videos. Maybe you have um, YouTube videos that your sales team watches. Maybe you have training videos that even though you can't devote yourself to day one, day two, day three, this person doesn't feel frustrated and you maybe lose an employee who you worked really hard to get, right? Because we work really hard on the interview process and the negotiating, we don't want to lose them day one, day two, day three, when they're finally in the seat, because what we promise them doesn't match up to what they're experiencing. So right. you have to get those basics out right away. You need to find ways to train your sales staff 
and maybe they're doing some of the training. Maybe it's your HR person who's running um, welcome to the company on the first two days, but it's your job that the minute someone starts, they understand what your customer service expectations are and that someone can meet them, whether they know the product or not, as long as you found the right fit and made those expectations clear, they will be able to follow through with how you operate on a daily basis as long as you've made that clear from the get-go. So for people who don't have customer service guidelines, what can you share with us that you all do like at Atlas Event Rental? Like if I was a new employee, what type of overview training would I get like from a customer service perspective? So what you would get, um, so prior to starting, you would have already come in one to two days to shadow. So you already have an idea of our expectations because you've spent several hours in the department that you're going to be working in. So that's a really nice start for a new employee because again, that expectation, they already know what to expect and they're not thrown in the loop. When you start day one, day two, you're just hanging out with your, your, your employees. You're hanging out with the sales staff, you're hanging out with the showroom supervisor in the showroom that you're assigned to and you're gonna be working. What we find is people can get overwhelmed really easily, right? In this industry, it's fast, it's very demanding. A client can scare you very quickly on that first phone call that you answer. So we just look at it as the first few days as just a get to know us. We take you around, we get you to meet the employees so you feel comfortable around other people not in your department. You get paired up with one of the other customer service or outside sales girls, whoever you're gonna be working closely with, we partner you up. What that does is that allows your supervisors to take a step back and not feel the pressure of training right away. But it's great because it builds the confidence of your other team members that they could allow themselves to kind of build up their resume and say, you know what, I help train our sales team. Maybe that, be, that comes with an incentive. Maybe that comes with a bonus if that employee has stayed on. But we do a lot of cross-training in the first few days. Then after that, they're cross-training in the entire company so they understand what goes on. If they don't understand how the, the company works, you'll never be able to talk to a a client intelligently you'll never be able to talk to them about what our policies and procedures are by doing that they will also get a better understanding of our level of customer service because it's very easy to see how do we talk to a client on the phone how do we greet them in the showroom but what they don't see every day unless you throw them out there is how do the drivers greet the clients right. how does our dispatch department talk to a client on the phone how does our warehouse employee greet the client who's coming in to pick up 10 linens? I could promise you that if you take a new employee and they see consistency of your expectations of customer service, they know right away if this is the right home for them. So you know before you dive in with training, and I don't want to say wasting your time, but we've all been there, done that, right? Mm -hmm. our, our time is our time is precious. So really allow someone to get to know you and make sure it's the right place. And you will know, I promise you in day one, day two, day three, if they're meant to be in your home and then if they are, 
invest the time of them and then go deeper with your training. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me again, how people just expect people to jump in. I will say though, during busy season, do you all have a process for temp workers and how to approach them? Or you may not even, you guys may not even do that, but that is one thing that during the holiday season and then busy Mm -hmm. season, um, I mean, I am friends with these people who own these companies and I'm, I tell them, I'm like, listen, your driver showed up smoking pot, <laughs> like yeah. a, a joint, not even a cigarette. And, and like literally though, recently people are like, Ange, it's hard for me to even find people. It's so hard. Like I it can't, is. I, I don't even know what to say to you, except did your rentals get there on time and was your truck loaded appropriately. I'm like, well, half the time they forget shit because somebody's not checking the order. And I mean, they always pull through always. So it can get a little bit stressful there for a hot few minutes, but I'm just like, are you people on drugs? I know. (laughs) And the hardest part, yes. And when I hear you say that it's, you know, I don't even flinch because at the end of the day, the only nice thing is that we're all in the same boat, right? I'm Mm -hmm. no different than any other rental company across the United States. Because when we all speak to each other, we can't hire, we can't, you know, do you drug test, do you not? If you drug test, you might not hire as many people, but we decided last season is to drug test and do background check. And what we have found is we definitely have elevated our level of employees. Um, Our clientele demanded that, they wanted that, and they really appreciated that. So yes, the hardest challenge of what we do is we're seasonal. So come summer, we have to say goodbye to half of our staff and hope they come back. But when they don't, you're retraining 30 to 50 new people. And it is tough. But what we have done, we've done a really good job of, I always say you could be reactionary, which is what we used to be many years ago. But now we know that every season we are going to have challenges hiring people. We know that we're going to have 20 new drivers that don't know what they're doing. But what we do have is we have a strong enough core base of people that stay on and that we purposefully keep all year and we partner them up. So you know what, if there is that one person who just broke the rules and smoked, or there is that one person who, you know what, is really slacking We'll deal with that later, but because they've been partnered up with one of our top drivers, they've been partnered up with one of our driver's assistants that's been there for years, those seasoned guys, they know the expectations and they will make up for the weaker link. So it's always preparing. I mean, trust me, we are all in the same boat where you need a last minute driver. You need a setup person. You might've lost your top inside sales staff and you just need someone to answer phones. We've all been there but you need to be set up for that and make sure that that doesn't eat you alive and have systems in place that your client wouldn't feel that effect because you might be able to laugh it off, but another client might be like, oh no, you're out of here. My boss said that we could never call you again. Yep. Well, that's not an easy call, right? It's much easier to keep a client happy than go get a new one. So you have to know those challenges and always be one step ahead of them so they don't eat you alive because they can. It's so easy in season. Holy cow, right? When we're all drowning, you will take any driver that comes along. But 
you know, sometimes you just have to take a step back and go back to those core values. Okay, we, we are going to drug test. We're a little bit busier today. Let's have a driver meeting who's willing to work a little bit later. Call those clients. You had a delivery in for today. Are you willing to take it tomorrow at 7 a.m.? Um, and we come together as a team to make sure that the client still doesn't lose that customer service that they're used to with our company. Yeah, I I feel like if people, if everybody would just adopt that model and keep core people and treat them good, take care of your people, mm-hmm. people um, it's so important because, but I just, I feel like sometimes I'm around, I'm like, am I in a, a bad dream right now? It's like, and not only, um, I mean, we go the extra mile to make sure that when someone is... Well, let me back up. You have a couple different experiences. You've got the experience where the client's coming in and they may not even have an appointment if you have a showroom and they're just looking around and they're choosing things. Then you've got the salesperson. Then you've got the delivery people. So it's like, mm-hmm. how at Atlas, like how do they make sure that from the moment the person walks in to load out, that they get that same experience is is that throughout the whole company where you guys have those leaders and then you team up people with whole them? company yep whole company we believe awesome. you cannot you cannot drop the ball on one because like i said someone might never even meet their salesperson and guess who they're emailing me about it's not the salesperson it's about how phenomenal my driver and his assistant were or how phenomenal my dispatch person was because last minute the event planner found out they couldn't get into the ballroom until 10 and she was supposed to get a delivery at eight. But my dispatch was so respectful and helpful and made it work and helped them resolve the issue. So yes, it is training, 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 having those lead people. And it's all about training. And listen, I'm not saying we're perfect. There's always going to be that one instance. Um, so we are not perfect in any way, but as long as you your consistency is there and all of your top people know the expectations and they know what their role is when they hire new staff. It works. I mean, I could tell you it's, we all know we're, like I said, we're in the same boat. You hire a driver, a driver's assistant. Um, you know, sometimes I take a gamble on a, a new sales girl that maybe has no sales experience, but my motto is, is that you could work here for five minutes or one year in the showroom and that person walking in would never know. That comes from me training you. That is nothing you learned anywhere else. I have to train you so my client has the best experience possible when they walk in. The client has the best experience when the driver delivers. If my guys are on a setup that they have the best experience. If there's an issue that comes in, um, we actually have a 24-7 phone system if one of my supervisors answers the phone at 3 a.m. on a Saturday night, they have that same service. So yes, we have trained them and instilled it to them of what is important and what's acceptable. And when it's not, and we have a slip up, we train and re-educate. No one's perfect. We all have our bad days. We all have really, really, really challenging situations that put us over the edge but it just all comes, you know, back down to that training. And unfortunately it's an employee's market. So sometimes it's tough on the budget to keep a few extra people. Sometimes it's harder to pay drivers that extra dollar, but you have to look at your overall picture of by not paying that, what you could possibly lose 
And then, you know, where are you? Then you don't even have the order coming in that you need the driver for. Right. It, it's, it's again, investing in your people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really, really matters. And I love it when, um, like even one of the best customer service models I can think of is like Chick-fil-A has Chick-fil-A school in Atlanta. And whenever, I don't even know if they, if they still do that, but like, you know, when you go to a Chick-fil-A, they always say like, it's my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, you never hear them say no problem. I don't know. There's some things that I cannot stand when people say it. I'm like, that is a double negative and it's not a problem. And like, why are you, I just, I don't like to say no. It's like, we have a bad words list in the company where it's like, instead of saying this, say this, instead of reframing, like step back, reframe. Do you also try to train your team members on how to read people's body language and how to respond if someone is agitated or angry? (laughs) So that's probably a little trickier and probably, um, so that's probably more for the drivers. Again, we, you know, is there an upset client? Sure. And how does that driver keep their cool without them feeling belittled, without them feeling embarrassed on the job? Um, you know, embarrassed in front of their peers. If someone speaks to them in a disrespectful manner, should they just take it? Do they give it back? What do they do? So we've had a lot of driver meetings where we address that and we allow them to speak about what scenario or what challenge have you dealt with and how should we all handle it? Again, we are not perfect and probably every single day new challenges arise, but um, yeah, we, we talk about that. Um, when you're in inside sales, one of the hardest things is selling a look, a vision to a client on the other end. So we talk a lot about your tone and your voice, how to get excited, how to bring the vision, how to bring your excitement, right? Not everyone gets excited over a linen and a fork the way I do. So how could I get that excitement into you? So you trust me and it builds that trust. So we do talk a lot about body language, we talk about tones. Um, a lot of it is just probably more overall situational when it comes up in our trainings. Um, we also record phone calls for our sales team. Okay. So we listen, yeah, we listen to those. Um, I always love using Nordstrom, kind of like you use the Chick-fil-A. I worked for Nordstrom for probably three, four weeks um, in between jobs. And after going through their training and learning how they built their customer service and Years ago, um, when they first started, someone came to return a tire and they didn't, ret- they, they don't sell tires, but they took the tire back. And that's why there's this whole, um, everyone knows Nordstrom, oh, they'll return anything. You could return you shoes, the way they speak to you, the way that they carry the bag around the counter, they won't pass it to you over the counter. So I always joke that we are the Nordstrom of rental companies because a lot that's of people awesome. in our local area kind of relate to Nordstrom. That's awesome. So what is a strategy? Uh, Cause I'm sure you guys have strategies for mm-hmm. finding the right people. Yep. So I know that I feel like sometimes I'm like, you're either born proactive or you're not, <laughs> you cannot teach that. And everybody has their strengths. Um, but what strategies, strategies, like what are, what are you doing to find these good people, people. to make sure that they are actually trainable? So 
in sales, what we do, so we start by putting ads in the appropriate places, having the proper job description is super important. And I will also say, this is why your branding, such as your social media and website are so important. In today's society, that is the first place people look. I can't even tell you how many people, the first thing they say to me is when they sit down, I love your social media. I want to be a part of this company. It looks fun. It looks professional. It looks creative. So you want to make sure that the image that you've been putting out there, someone might be following you for a year, waiting for the right time. Maybe they're waiting to graduate. Your presence in society on your marketing is so important because in people's heads, that is already what the preconceived notion of what your company is. So having a good job description and posting it in the right places. Then we have um, someone on our HR team that pre-screens all the applications. From there, she makes the initial call. She has a set of questions that we've agreed to of what to ask for different positions, whether they're the driver, we're looking for someone in the linen department, someone in inside sales, outside sales. She has a list of questions. From there, they're either not the right person or if she likes them in sales, she will then email them to me and I set up a FaceTime call. The reason I do a FaceTime call before, um, before a live interview is I wanna see, are they on time for a FaceTime call? Did they even take that seriously? Are they in their car with their music jamming? Or are they still mm -hmm. dressed for an interview in a professional background, somewhere where it's quiet and they're taking it serious? From there, I wanna see their follow-up, even though it's a FaceTime, did they email me to thank me for the time? Did they email my HR manager? What are their follow-up skills? I usually wait a few days to get back to them. So I see, right? If they're in a sales position, I want them to be hungry. So it allows me to keep testing their skills and traits while we're in the process. From there, if they get um, asked back, then I do a live interview. Then after that, we do role-playing. Right there on their first interview, I put them in the showroom and I make them talk to me like I'm a client. Oh Remember God, how we awesome. talked about? <laughs> yep, it doesn't matter if you've been with us or not. Customer service is customer service. If you're in the showroom, whether you know the product or not, you need to be confident and outgoing and bubbly and personable. Um, you need to be able to grab that linen and fake it till you make it. If all of a sudden That's I right. throw you in the showroom and you're whispering and shy and timid and you don't know what to ask me, you don't even make it through. Then from there, we put you on the phone and we start role-playing with the girls in the office because they know what the clients ask and we want to hear how you handle that. After that, if we really think you're the right fit, you come back into our showroom, you sit for two hours, you could ask your questions to the sales girls because asking me, you know, you might think that I might BS you or I might you know, build up the job. Um, but the girls that you're going to be working with or the guys you're going to be working with, they're going to tell you how it is, right? People like to tell, they're going to say the good, the bad, the ugly. So this is your chance without me there to ask questions, what they like, don't like challenges. I tell them to bring a list of questions and they just sit and listen and watch. Then after that, I bring them in and say, do you see yourself here? And by then they've gotten a really good idea of why we put them through all of this. Mm -hmm. And of course, after background checks and, you know, all of that stuff, um, you know, then we do the hiring and then obviously it looks a little bit different for the back of house. Um, you know, sometimes there's not as much role playing in that opportunity, 
but we do do background checks and we do do drug tests um, and we just try to make them go through a little bit more of a rigorous process. Do they show up in time? Um, how are they dressed? And then we have a, um, a probation period where they get paired up with another team member and we get feedback from their partner. So we do keep a close, you know, eye on them. And same thing, you know, the, the bad ones are the ones that don't want to be there, get weeded out. And you just hope out of every five that two or three stick. And if you just keep on that path and you keep bringing people in, um, eventually you're going to build a really good team. But we've gotten really good at hiring for front of house, really good. So do you have all these other rental companies hiring you to teach them these strategies? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I mean, it's so needed. So I do have a, a really fun question. So we hear so much about branding and who's your perfect client and mm -hmm. who's your ideal client and how to get it and how to weed them out and blah, blah, blah. But I know the motto that you all have is we are a client for everyone. And that's a huge undertaking. So if you follow the customer service strategy, I guess, how do you do you all, how do you handle the, the people mm -hmm. that are spending $500 versus yep. the people that are spending $500,000. What, how, how is it that, that drastic? So you can be a client for everyone. Sure. So what we say is, you know, obviously from your everyday interaction with us, whether you order one time a year or you're an everyday client, the actual transactional process, we want the same, right? It doesn't matter. We don't want you to ever feel like just because you're spending a hundred dollars, you're not important to us. I'll have people call all the time and say, Oh, I just have a small order. And I'll say, but it's an order. i you know, next year right, you might be our money. biggest client. It's an order. I'm, I'm so happy you called us. Like it's an order. We are so happy you found us, you know, thank you. And just showing that appreciation to every client is where you have to start. So when we say we're a client for everyone, as long as you respect us and you respect our policies and sign our agreements, then we are a client for everyone. Now, when you get to your top 10, your top 20, your clients over certain amounts, you got to make them feel a little bit special, right? I mean, there it's kind of that 80-20 rule where they're, you know, they're really bringing in a, a large chunk of your, your volume. So what we're actually in the middle of doing now, I'm really excited. We're kind of setting up a little Atlas VIP program for our top clients to include cool. things like monthly goodies, um, extra discounts previews to our garage sale. We're going to do quarterly van visits with new products and just really make them know how special they are. It might be, you know, no charge on samples. We're still kind of playing with some of the perks, um, but we really want them to know how special they are. Um, I always make sure my top clients that I call them every month because sometimes my my admins might speak to them or put their orders in, but you never want to lose touch of who they are. And, you know, they might've started as your lowest client and now they're your highest. You want to make sure that your top people know that they're the top. There is nothing wrong with your number one client knowing, you know what, you're my number one client and you want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. You want to check in with them because it's going to hurt a lot more if you lose your number one client 
versus the client who maybe orders from you one time a year. Not to say they're not important, but in business, right, it's a lot harder to go out and get a $80,000, $100,000 client. So we really, really, really want to nurture those relationships. And then when it comes to possible large clients, you have to make sure that your team knows throughout the company. It's not only myself, it's not only sales, but you need to make sure that your back of house knows who your bread and butter is coming from. Yeah. We triple check those orders. Does there need extra labor on delivery? Um, and just really making sure that everyone knows who those people are. Um, and they get excited. They get excited when they see big jobs from the top clients and they just, it makes them feel like we're growing and they have really, you know, a larger sense of job security. Um, what we do for large jobs, not necessarily large clients, but now you take a one time a year, extremely large job. It's really important that we staff that job. We might set up a conference call with the salesperson and our head of ops make sure that everyone's on the same page. Maybe there's a question that ops had that the salesperson didn't even think about. We don't want to leave anything uncovered. Is that an appropriate job that a supervisor, whether it's myself, whether it's my director of operations, maybe we go out and just shake hands and make sure the setup's going well. Those things go so far, whether they yep. order once a year or 12 times a year, just them knowing that you took the time to make them feel important goes such a long way. Because at the end of the day, you take a company like ourselves, we are not the cheapest, nor will I ever be. So what can we do to give you value of why you're paying more? Well, it's our service. And these are the things that we need to keep doing so I can maintain my prices. So they're not calling around and wondering why we're 50 cents more or 10 cents more. They have so much confidence in our service and what we do that it's okay that they're paying a little bit more because they know that extra added value that they're getting as an Atlas client. Yeah. And so the other part to customer service on behind the scenes, so, you know, you've got the sales, you've got the delivery, but also you have a shit ton of upkeep. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand that hiring the right people to make sure that the details are happening. So for example, you know, when, when you're a busy company and you have a lot of stuff going in and out constantly every single week, every single weekend, it's gonna have an, a death date where it's like, okay, we need to get rid of those chairs. So how do you all decide um, like to get new inventory or when your chairs need to be painted or like, do you have a specific detail oriented team or do you take the feedback from the clients where like I literally recently we had some linens, I won't name the company and I'm like, did they forget to wash them? They, mm. I, I'm just, I'm confused. Like there were so many stains, yep. there were rips, all my girls, I'm like, take pictures of that shit. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> And so it's just like, are you kidding me? And so now, like, I mean, we have a few orders with them next month. And I'm like, just please remind them that, yep. especially for the these two clients coming up, like they are just as detailed as I am, which is pretty damn detailed. So how do you maintain to make sure that the inventory stays fresh? 
So that is probably it. And I would, I invite anyone who's listening, who's ever going to be in South Florida to come visit. And I will give you a tour because when people walk through the warehouse, their mouths drop to the floor because no one has any idea of what goes into maintaining this equipment. I keep saying we got to do more marketing for behind the scenes because people need to understand the labor that goes into just preserving that white chair that goes in and out and in and out and gets dragged in the mud and left out in the rain. I mean, it is tough. I always joke, there's so many competitors opening and I just want to say, why do you realize the headaches that are involved in maintaining um, (laughs) equipment? But yeah, so kind of when I went back to how there, there's always going to be the new guy who doesn't know, who doesn't understand yet, who it slipped through the cracks. You need to balance that off. So we do have expectations. And of course we train on them, but you always have to make sure that there is someone who knows your expectations making those decisions. So for example, when we're cleaning chairs, there's always multiple people. So we would never have all new people cleaning chairs because who's going to really oversee those expectations, right? So there could be five new people, but there's going to be the one experience one, making sure that nothing gets put back on the shelf without an appropriate set of eyes. When we're loading trucks, same thing. There's a night supervisor here that's overseeing what's going on the trucks. So maybe the guy who pulled it Maybe it was dark. Maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe he was chatting on his phone when he's not supposed to. But for whatever the reason may be, something got by the first guy. Well, I would hope that the way that we have our systems in place, the loader is going to see it. And then if the loader doesn't see it, then the driver will see it. So we have plenty of checks and balances that before the client sees it, that hopefully we catch it. Now, linens are hard because sometimes the laundry, you know, they put it on the rack and I would say, you know, we have a few hiccups here and there with linens, um, but again, you just have to have the right systems in place to fix it because if you ever called and got those linens and you called our emergency line, unless we couldn't fix it within 30 to 60 minutes, we would fix that issue. Stuff happens, crap happens, we're human, it's rental, but you always have to have systems in place. I always say to my dispatch team, be prepared every single day that we're going to have to make three to five deliveries to either fix a client's mistake, fix our mistake. You have to be prepared. We, these things, no matter how good of a rental company you are, this stuff happens, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how perfect we are. The planner forgets to order glasses. Our laundry didn't catch that the blues are different colors. So you just have to keep checking, keep training, keep implementing, um, but keeping, you know, keeping old equipment, it's tough. And knowing when I could have a whole nother hour talk on when to keep and when to trash and what to preserve and when it's, when you can maintain it, when it's just, you know, worth selling it and, and buying all new inventory, but preserving your inventory is all part of your service. Cause again, at the end of the day, right? A chair is a chair, a chair, but I don't want to get the call saying you deliver dirty chairs. There's fruit punch on it from a kid's birthday party. So my guys know, again, it's, it's, getting them from the minute they start, they know, like we instill it in them that they know there's eyes walking around that warehouse at all times. It is so rare that we get a client that calls and says, you delivered me crap. It happens. We are not perfect, but (laughs) the amount of times that it happens are less, you know, it's pretty impressive sometimes, even on a weekend when we do hundreds of deliveries. And on Monday, maybe we got two emergency calls. I'm like, 
You know what, guys? Kudos to you. Like, pat on the back because you nailed it. That's amazing. So I know that you guys have VIP events and experiences and best practices for your clients, but what are some of the things internally that you guys do to keep people motivated, especially during busy season? So for us, and actually this is something, you know, I still work on every single day. You know, employee morale is so important. And I have some key employees who always keep me in check and remind me of this because it's so easy in the, in the grind of things, right? To say, why did this happen? And you focus on the negative, but we've really taken a shift over the last season, two seasons and focus on employee morale. And it has been, let me tell you, like, wow, people always think, well, it's what you pay them. It's your benefits. We have done so many studies and we've tried so many different scenarios. And at the end of the day, people just want to feel good about what they're doing. They want to feel good about where they're working. Yes, the paycheck is important, but they just want to know that you believe in them, you have confidence in them. And what we've done is a lot of team builders, a lot of cross-training, getting the departments to know each other, um, making sure that we do big holiday parties with fun raffles and DJs and really saying thank you to them for all of their hard work. And on the weekends, we know they're leaving their families to drive 24 hours a day and seven days a week and taking on those extra shifts and just really showing them how much we appreciate and letting them know we can't do it without them, right? In this industry, it's really easy for companies to have that divide back of house, front of house, you know, sales sits up there all looking all pretty and they don't care what we do in the back. And it is not like that at all. I mean, we build up our drivers vice versa. When we, when my sales girls go on jobs, they bring the drivers donuts and the assistants if they know they're going to be there for a while. So it's building a mutually like respect across the board that no matter what job you have, what role we couldn't do it. We couldn't make the client happy if it weren't for you cleaning that chair, if it wasn't for you delivering, if it wasn't for our dispatch team who called the client, if it wasn't for you know, the laundry company that clean the linen. I mean, it is a full circle and it's really important that not only it come from the top, but it comes from each other and you just keep, keep, keep working on those morales and fun games and we'll do sales, um, little fun sales games. We just started um, an Atlas applause board that every time an email, of, every time a client sends in an email about a compliment, we put it on the Atlas applause board so everyone can read them. We mail them, email them out to the company. They earn five and $10 Starbucks gift cards when they've kind of accumulated a few um, and they love it. And it's not even about the amount. It's just, they love being recognized. And that's something that we've seen go a really, you know, really long way. That's so awesome. That, that, yeah, again, invest in your people, take care of your, I know, mm-hmm. I'm 50 times, but it's, it's just, it's so true. And like something else that I've seen happen where people kind of throw each other under the bus sometimes, especially when they're tired or some people perceive it as being lazy. But then if, if I'm talking to somebody at the rental company and they're like, I haven't slept in three days and da, 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 da. And it's like, they can tell me that, but it's like, right. Never say that in front of a client or like, I would probably strangle somebody. I'm like, yeah, oh. and it's right. And you know, listen, yes, it probably was someone's fault, but in that moment, you, there's no time. I always tell my guys, I'm not here for the blame game. 
This is what happened. I need it fixed. We'll worry about it later. Let's just get it out the door because at the end of the day, it's all about the client. It's all about the client. Mm -hmm. The client doesn't need to hear why the trucks just, they just want to know when am I going to get it? And you need to give them answers. Don't tell them you're going to call them and you didn't call them. Don't tell them we'll be there in an hour and you're not there in an hour. Hold your people accountable. Hold yourself accountable. It's okay to say there's a mistake. We've all made them. The clients just want to know the truth. And that's what I've tried to train the employees. It's, it's okay that you broke a rack of glasses. Just say, when do you need it by so we know when to come back? Call the office. We'll send an Uber. We'll send it in someone's car. We will fix it. Don't blame someone. Don't say the warehouse broke it when it was because you went over a bump. Just be truthful. <laughs> be honest with the client. And it's, it's always okay. They don't want to hear the, you know, the story. Just get me what I need. That's all. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. No questions asked right now. <laughs> so what do you guys do for like, like, I know we always try to do rap meetings, but what do you guys do for follow-up events? Do you survey people? Do they help? Do people fill them out? And how, how is that working? So everyone who places an order with us gets a follow-up email that says, you know, thank you for using Atlas Event Rental. Please fill out this brief survey. It's two questions, right? No one has time. It's literally like radar service. Do you have any feedback? And again, most of the time it's good, but we like to hear the good, the bad, the ugly, because if we don't hear the bad, we can't get better. So we look at every single one. In fact, any single one that marks that they had a negative um, experience or a complaint, those all personally come to me. Usually within minutes, I'm emailing them back saying, can I have a brief call with you or please explain what happened? Um, and it gets addressed. So when there's companies that say, oh yeah, we'll address it and it never happens. Oh no, we, we address it because I could assure you it will not happen again. Because what's the purpose of wasting someone's time if you're not going to do anything with it, right? Um, so what that does is it gives us feedback. Um, what it also does, the great part is what we have now is Google reviews. Um, again, everyone's doing them. And that helps with like your SEO search and, and gets you out there and your branding and all the people that have amazing things to say. People love to read about it. You could share it on your Instagram, share it on, your, on all your social media channels, share it on your website. It's great for your employees to see it. So going back to morale, when we get a positive feedback or someone writes in about how amazing a driver is, I mean, some of our drivers and driver's assistants are so phenomenal that they get requested on certain jobs and we will get emails. I mean, I always say when someone stops and sends me an email thanking us for what a great job, I thank them for taking the time to do it. I know how busy everyone is, but it is so important that you take that positive feedback and you scream it to the world. You share it, you share it on a wall, you honor that driver at, a, at the next driver's meeting, you give them a branded hat, you give them a t-shirt, you give them a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts, whatever it may be, because I will tell you that is what keeps people going. So those follow-ups are so important and it's so easy and it barely costs anything. So I would encourage everyone in some way, shape or form to just send out an automated email just to get a feedback, a check mark yes or no if they were satisfied, a rating, click it to your Google reviews and you'll be good to go. So did you learn all, I know you, that you were at Nordstrom and 
so, but have, are there any stories that you could share that are like, oh my God, this can never happen again? Um, <laughs> kind of had to learn from people say mistakes. I like to say opportunities because none of us are perfect. Like, what is that top story of where you're like, oh my gosh, this is not good customer service. This can never happen again. Like, this has never happened before. Like, how do you deal with it? Because we all have stories. Yep. But is there one that just really stands out? So it was about probably right about a year from today, we actually switched software programs. It was a little oh, later in God. season. Oh, I still get anxiety thinking about it. But um, we delivered, like we always do on a weekly basis, to this one very high-end venue to one of our top clients. I get a call on a Saturday and I know when I get a call anywhere between four to six, it's, it, it's something we either forgot something and oven's not working. It's like we call it those witching hours, you know, like a kid and I get a call. Hi, Heather. Where are my chairs for the ceremony? And I just knew it. I, I just knew because we deliver in the morning. I just knew she didn't have them. Long story short, Literally, we did not have time to deliver. We did not have time to pull chairs and deliver. We might have been able to do it right by the hair of our teeth, but we kind of gathered our thoughts. I got with my ops team, and what happened is in literally a matter of an hour is they took the 250 chairs from the reception that were already set walked them over to the ceremony. The client had reserved two sets of chairs, but at that moment it was a chair to sit on and the client probably wouldn't have noticed. Their staff moved all the chairs over. In a matter of 35 minutes, we called every single person who works at Atlas. In 35 minutes from all across South Florida, wherever they lived, (laughs) we had a staff of 25 employees female, male, it didn't even matter. We told them to bring their sons, their brothers, their mothers, it didn't even matter. (laughs) They all showed up because my client said is, I don't have staff to move them from the ceremony to the reception. They only had one hour and they didn't staff it. It would have thrown off their entire evening. And this is a super high-end client. We had over 25 to 30 employees waiting there. In 40 minutes, we had all the chairs moved. And she wow. looked at me after and was like, you guys just pulled through. Yep. I mean, we messed wow. up, but you know what? It wasn't about messing up. The bride had chairs. She didn't even notice it wasn't the same chairs, but it's what we did in that moment. I will never forget getting the call. I will never forget how many people showed up. I was home with my kids. I got a picture of everyone smiling in a group photo saying we're ready to go. And At that moment, I was like, you know what? We have the most dedicated employees that I will ever see in my entire life. We had husbands, roommates, you name it, that showed up and they came in and walked every one of these chairs over to make sure that there was no negative impact on any part of this wedding. Wow. So uh, was it a, I mean, just complete software glitch that it was, it was a complete, we were moving orders from our old system to our new. And one of the girls just forgot to move the chairs over. Gotcha. 
And in the midst of the craziness, it was an easy mistake. And again, the clients double checked, but it was even new to them how the order looked. And our clients are so used to relying on us, right? Like I'm sure you are the same. I know with me, sometimes you have so much trust that you look at an order, but you're just kind of sign off and you're like good to go because you trust them so I do much. It all the time. Well, <laughs> our clients have so much trust in them that no one really looked again. And it was our fault. We took responsibility. I mean, it was, you know, we, we dropped the ball when we were, and I knew, I knew when I got the call, I, I, there was, I said, you know what, I, just give me two minutes. I need to just get my thoughts together and we will fix this. And we called right back and said, this is what we're going to do. And of course she's like, just do it. She didn't sound so nice about it, which I understood at the moment. I said, I got it. We will be there. And sure enough. And you did it. We did it. It's crazy what happens with um, the, this. well, first off, kudos, because again, that means your people really do respect and understand that like this is sometimes like people dream of this day their whole life. <laughs> um, I, I, I will share a few things and I, I wonder how you guys handled this, but we work at a few venues, um, just a handful that, you know, they want to do everything themselves. They want to have exclusivities with rental companies, which is fine, which sometimes it's not fine because really it's just about the markup and the money and they want to place the order, which when you're not doing the design and you're not dealing with the client every single day like we are, I don't want you to do my order. I'm a control freak. I'm going to do my own order. And so there's a venue that is rather difficult. And so I'll never forget. This was a few years ago. And this is where I like really put my foot down. And I'm like, never again, where there was a, a girl that started working at this location that we had a previous relationship with, a great relationship with. She's super type A. We loved her. I'm kind of like, why are you going to go work here? But whatever, that's her business. And um, we are about to get ready to, it was a, a very elaborate rehearsal dinner. It might as well have just been another wedding that weekend. And my assistant goes, where are the chairs? Like every time you talk about chairs, like this, is, I'm like, well, what do you mean where are the chairs? So I'm psycho about chairs. I don't want the chairs going down until like an hour before people come in because we've got to put, line the tables up, put the linens on, steam the linens, put the flowers, arrange the lights. Sometimes we're moving tables around because we do different floor plans all the time. And I measure things with my feet, which I know people are, think I'm crazy, but it always works out. And so I just... I was like, I, 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 what do you mean? And I'm removed from checking those orders. Once I do it initially, I pass it off to someone else. They also double, we double, triple check through the floor, through the floor plan. And she's like, Ange, they're not on the order. I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, because this venue always makes us go through them. And since this new person, which wasn't new to us, she let us do this. But she told me that she was going to put the chairs because they would notice if the chairs weren't on order. I'm like, what? You know, I'm just like, what? And so, you know, again, I'm calling the rental company that we use and they're like, yes, we can get you 150 chairs there in 30 minutes. And I'm like, mm -hmm. like ah. um, and so now all of these venues that want to place the order, I'm like, you can look over the order and we can pay you 
it's, it's kind of, um, it gets very messy when they're marking it up, but then I'm designing it. It's just, it gets very muddy and very gray. But what I have learned from all of that is that I'm going to control the order Mm -hmm. and then I'll send it to the person. I don't know. And, and I really try to avoid working at places like this because it does mess up our internal process. Yeah. But as a, as a vendor to all of these venues, do you see that same business model where, and I get it, I've got one venue right down the road. We have an event there next week and they're like, that company cannot come in here. I know mm-hmm. you work with them because we see it on social media. Their people scratch our floors and we only do business with this person. And I'm like, well, tough shit because we already have an order and it's been in place for six months and they've already paid a deposit. So I don't know what to tell you. You know, then I have to get an addendum on my insurance and sign it. And then, yep. you know, so it's like, how do you deal with all of that in, in the venue world. Yeah. I mean, it's tough and service. (laughs) I know. And that's kind of too, it's like, I think that's the nature of the beast now, especially with all the competition. Um, and you know, listen, we have a lot of venues and caters that are upfront and say, this is who I use. Cause it usually does come up. Well, why are my rentals so high? I'm going to get them on my own. I'm going to shop around or you know, the venue, the venue says, well, I get the chairs. And exactly like you said, it's like, well, I don't want to rely on you for the chairs. And every time I have a change. So we're kind of, you know, because we're everyone's client, it's kind of like a hard balance for us. I mean, we just try to stay neutral. We try to stay in the middle of who's really doing the order. We try to communicate with both parties. If we know there's a drop in count and we know that the venue has the chair order, we try to look out for both to just say, Hey, FYI, the last count I got was this. You might want to make sure your, your numbers match up. Um, it's definitely easier when one person is placing the order by no means. Um, but at the end of the day too, we we say we're only as good as the information we're given. So if there's a planner that's planning for 150 and then the venue only orders for a hundred after we've done our due diligence and they've signed it, I mean, our hands are tied, right? I mean, I, I can't tell you how to do your job. I don't want to insult you. I can't. You know, if you fail to communicate on your end, there's nothing I could do. But it's tough because in this market, so many people are trying to earn a dollar. So it's the venue wants to control the chairs because it's a revenue stream for them. But really, are they spending more time managing it? Is it easier for the planner to do it? Um, You know, usually, probably, because you guys are the ones talking to the bride. So we see it all day. And again, we just kind of, explain on both sides if they ask in one or two cents of what we find is the best practices and what's the easiest for the client. But yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a venue that has certain rules, a venue that doesn't allow certain vendors. Now for me, I actually like when they have exclusive lists because I know how we operate and I want to be exclusive or on their preferred vendor list because I know we respect property. So when I hear, oh, they're not allowed in, Well, that makes me think someone didn't respect their property, but it's just a shame when the client doesn't find out about it down the road. So that's where it's got to be communication. Because if a client already, you know, booked with someone else because you failed to communicate, well, that's not fair. But if your guidelines are all up front and says, this is who you have to use and this is who you have to bring in and this is why, well, then in that case, everyone's just, you know, has to be on the same page and respect each other's rules and know it's probably for a reason, whether they didn't have the proper insurance, 
they caused harm to, you know, the venue, maybe there was damage to the equipment. And in the end, it's probably best for everyone. Mm-hmm. But it all comes down to communication and not, you know, not arguing about it, not fighting, not thinking one, one you know, has vendors better than others, making the exception if that exception has value needed and everyone's on the same page. Um, but it's all like, to me, that's all about communication and the earlier, the better. So everyone's on the same page. Amen, girl. Well, this has been amazing. I am so thankful that you shared so many nuggets on customer service. It is so, so important. Ultimately, businesses will fail without good customer service. I've seen it happen day in and day out, especially in the event industry. So guys, be sure that you go online, check out Atlas Event Rental on Instagram to keep up with all the stuff they're doing, which is awesome. I feel like all of us in the industry, we all love Instagram. It's just, we can all keep up with it. We love it too. We love it too. We all live on it. And if you have any questions for Heather or you need help with customer service, like reach out to her, you can email her. She said the best way is email heather at atlaseventrental.com and feel free to reach out. And I so appreciate your time. I know that you're going to be speaking at the special event in March on what to buy, save, and trash in 2020, which is funny because I asked that question, but I'll probably be at TSC. So, (laughs) but thank you so much today. And (laughs) thank you for having me. Yes, of course. And everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Business Unveiled. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. Also, be sure that you are part of my email list. And if you're not, sign up today at AngelaProfit.com, where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the creative industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Business Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.